Good morning. Good to be back with you all today. Uh, we, we had a, a great time, uh, this not this past week, but the week before with my family. Uh, I mentioned before, we, we hadn't seen each other for like a year and a half since COVID started and all of this. And so the goal was, since we didn't get to get together for Christmas, to get together for Christmas in April. And I got to talk to a few of you before service. It really felt like that. My parents left their Christmas tree up uh, months later. And when we first got there, there was actually snow on the ground. They live over in the mountains. And so it was actually snowy. The Christmas tree was up. At one point, my brother was like, Drew, how did you get off of church for Christmas? And I was like, it's not Christmas. You know, but we all felt like it was. So it was great to be together uh, and, and spend some time. And it's, it's good to be back here this morning. I, I do have to say I'm very grateful to Jerry last week. Uh, somehow the, the timing just worked out and, you know, Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. I, I didn't have to take that one. Jerry got to jump on that and, and I mean, did a great job. Thank you so much. Um, but this week, we are continuing through the creed. Uh, and so, as you all know, it begins, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And it goes on, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, and describes so much of Jesus' life. And then, this week, we get to this line. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, technology is this amazing thing. I mean, it has become an indispensable part of our lives, especially this past year. Any of you who are watching online, you know, type amen or something, all right? I mean, it's amazing the kinds of things that technology has allowed us to do. But every now and then, technology glitches up, doesn't it? right? I mean, how many of you have been on a, a Zoom call or FaceTime or something like that this past year, and right in the middle of the conversation, someone freezes up, you know, and, and you can't quite tell what's going on, you know, all right, see some of you. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes you, you miss a little bit, but you can kind of make it out, and you just keep rolling. Other times, you just have to say, hey, you just froze up. I have no idea what you just said. You know, can, can you say that again? You know, and this has been a frustrating reality for many of us in trying to interact this past year. And, and you know, maybe it's not over Zoom or the computer. We've had this experience on the phone before, right? You're talking to someone and all of a sudden, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, the phone cut out. Can you repeat yourself, right? We, we've had experiences like that where technology just doesn't quite work the way that it should. One technology glitch that I experienced in my past was, was actually back in college. My college roommate and I were best friends, and so we would spend lots of time together on the weekends and, and hang out. And one of the things we would do on the weekends is head down the street to, to what, at least for us, was sort of the epicenter of cheap weekend entertainment in Abilene, Texas. Uh, and, and so for dinner, we would drop by this place called Little Panda. Uh, and come to find out, they often just barely scraped by their inspections from the Department of Health. Um, but it didn't matter because their student special was an amazing deal. 
for about $5, you would just get this giant mountain of phosphorescent orange chicken. I mean, that stuff would surely light up a dark room. I've never seen that shade of orange any other time in my life. Uh, but you'd get that along with fried rice and some kind of egg roll or, or something like that. I mean, it was just a great deal, like five bucks and, and this mountain of food. Uh, and then right next door to Little Panda, there is this place called Box Office Videos, uh, where you would rent movies. Any of you remember movie rental stores, right? I mean, you know, bygone eras, you know, you actually had to go to a place to look through and pick out a movie, bring it home to watch it, and then you had to bring it back a few days later. And if it was late, then you got charged, or if you forgot to rewind the VHS, you, you might have a find, right? I mean, does any of you remember those days, right? I mean, that, that this used to be the way that entertainment was, but box office was a little bit different. They, they wouldn't really charge you for fines if you had a, a late movie. In fact, they would probably pay you just to bring the movie back um, because, I mean, it, it, they almost paid you to even rent movies. It was like a quarter or something to get a movie from that place. Uh, and, you know, they, they were up to date. They had DVDs at that point and stuff like that. But, but this was the epicenter for us. We, we would go to Little Panda we would go to box office, and then we would head back to watch whatever movie we had picked out with our glow-in-the-dark orange chicken, all right? And there's a reason that box office was so cheap, because I remember countless times, we'd be about halfway through a movie, and then all of a sudden, it would just stop, and we'd be like, what, what happened? What, what's going on? You know, and probably it was some really tense moments and, you know, right on the edge of a cliffhanger. And then it would just skip forward to the next scene. And we'd be like, well, what, what happened? It's because, you know, the DVD had a scratch on it, some piece of dust. You know, this is why it was so inexpensive, right? And, and so we'd take the DVD out. We'd kind of rub it down with a cloth and try to do it. But to no avail, we'd get to that scene again. It would pause and freeze and then just jump ahead to the next scene. And so we just have to kind of figure out how the movie went without that scene. Now, maybe some of you have had this experience with a DVD or a CD, or maybe even a scratched vinyl record that sort of jumped over ahead. Or you might have had an experience like this with a Zoom call or a phone call. But I think that many of us have had experiences like this theologically with the Holy Spirit. You see, look at the Apostles' Creed in its entirety that we've been reflecting on for all these weeks. A lot of times looking through the Creed is like that box office video rental that my roommate and I had. And we start off, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and we're like, yeah, I believe that, I get that. And then I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and it goes on to describe his, his birth and life and death and resurrection. And we're like, yeah, Jesus, we love that. But then the DVD freezes and just skips ahead. And, you know, we, we love the part about the church and the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. But we don't really know what to do with the part about the Holy Spirit. And so it's kind of like that skipping DVD, you know, or, or, or something like that. It sort of glitches out on us for a moment because we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. But I, I think that 
the creed actually challenges this way of thinking about the Holy Spirit, or maybe not thinking about the Holy Spirit at all. You know, if you look, you'll see the creed is divided into three sections. Uh, you know, and, and each one begins with the words, I believe in. I believe in. And the first one is about God, the Father, and his work of creation. The second section is about Jesus Christ and his life and death and resurrection and rule. And then when we get to the third section, it's easy for us to think that this last section is just kind of a catch-all. Just kind of, all right, and here's everything else that we believe. You know, Holy Spirit, church, forgiveness, everlasting life, so on and so forth. But I don't think this is the right way to understand this last section of the creed. You see, this third part begins, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And just like the first section describes what God is up to in creation, and the second section describes what Jesus is up to in his life and birth and death and resurrection, this last section, I think, describes what the Holy Spirit is up to in the world today. See, the, the creed teaches us that it's the, the Spirit who establishes the church, just as he did on the day of Pentecost. It teaches us that it is the Spirit who convicts us of sin and leads us to forgiveness. The, the creed teaches us that it is the Spirit who gives us hope for the life to come. You know, and Paul sometimes describes the Spirit as a sort of down payment uh, for everlasting life, a pledge of our future inheritance in Christ. And so this last section of the creed is not just a catch-all for everything else. Rather, it's a description of what the Holy Spirit is up to in the world. And so we'll look in more detail at some of these other lines in the coming weeks. But for today, we're just going to reflect a bit on the Holy Spirit. Who he is. What he does. And, and who better to tell us about this than Jesus? Right? So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, open up to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 is uh, where we're kind of rooting ourselves today. We're going to be all over the place in Scripture, and I'll have a lot of that up on the screen as, as we go. I'll, I'll confess, this sermon's been difficult for me to kind of organize and plan for, because there's so much to say about the Holy Spirit. There's so much I want to dive into. And I mean, honestly, talking about the Holy Spirit could in and of itself be an entire sermon series. In fact, about two years ago, we did a brief sermon series talking about the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to check that out if you want. Uh, but for now, we'll do what we can with the time that we have today, starting in John 16. Now, in this passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples just before the crucifixion. And he's preparing them for all that is to come after his death and resurrection 
and ascension. And so hear what he says. John 16, beginning in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. And so for this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for sending the Spirit of truth to lead us and guide us. God, I pray that as we reflect today on your scripture, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this passage that we've just read, Jesus talks about what is to come after he ascends to the Father. And he tells his disciples that he is sending the Advocate, the Spirit, to come and continue his work in them. Now here's a summary of really what I want to say to you today. If you're a note taker, write this down. All right, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit shows us who God is in us. And the Spirit makes us who we are in God. All right, let me say that again. The Spirit shows us who God is in us, and the Spirit makes us who we are in God. All right, uh, before we dig into what all that means, what the Spirit is doing, I, I want to just say a few more things about who the Spirit is. Because the Spirit is a who, not a what. The Holy Spirit is, an he, is a he, not an it. Now, that's not to say the Spirit is male or masculine. Uh, in fact, many of the Spirit's characteristics are actually things we would call feminine, right? Jesus himself talks about being born of the Spirit, birthed by the Spirit. Um, and, and the word Spirit is actually, a, in, in Greek and in Hebrew, often a feminine 
word, right? And so uh, when I say the Spirit is a he, I'm not saying the Spirit is male or masculine, but rather that the Spirit is a person, all right? A who, not a what. And this is precisely how we have just read uh, Jesus referring to the Spirit all throughout that passage, right? In verse 7, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. You see, when Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, he uses personal language because the Spirit is a person. The Spirit is a person. And this is also emphasized in the language of the creed that we just looked at. Remember all the way back to the very beginning of, of this series, and we spent a whole Sunday talking about that word, believe. You know, and this word, believe, is not about cognitive information, but rather about personal relationship. It's better understood as trust. You see, the creed does not say, I believe that there is a God who created things. It doesn't say, I believe that there was someone named Jesus who did some stuff. And it doesn't say, I believe that there is a spiritual force at work in the world called the Holy Spirit. Rather, the creed says, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a force that we wield like Star Wars. Star Wars is great, but that's not the Holy Spirit. All right? The Holy Spirit is not a force that we wield, but a person who we trust. This is why Paul, in Galatians 5.25, tells us to walk with the Spirit. This is relationship language. I mean, in the very beginning, right, we read about God, the Father, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, right? In the Gospels, we read about Jesus walking on earth with his disciples. And today, we are called to walk with the Spirit every day of our lives. This is relationship language. And in fact, this idea of walking with is probably the best way of understanding the Greek word that's used in, our, in the passage that we just read. That the, in, in the translation we just read, is translated the word advocate. I will send the advocate. But this word is translated as many different ways as there are different translations. It's a very difficult word to, to sort out. So some other possibilities are counselor, comforter, helper, companion. The list goes on and on, right? The, the Greek word here that Jesus, or that, you know, is used in the text that Jesus says here is paraclete. I will send the paraclete, 
to be with you. And this word paraclete literally means one who is alongside. One who's alongside you, like parallel lines run right next to each other. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is right next to us. This is the image that we're working with. He is a person who we walk with and trust in. And just like the Father, and just like the Son. And in fact, the Spirit is the means by which we know the Father and the Son. This is where we'll start digging into that summary statement I gave you guys a little while ago. Right? And so the first half of that, the Spirit shows us who God is in us. The Spirit shows us who God is in us. Look back at verse 13 of the passage that we just read. Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, right? Because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right, so what Jesus is saying here is that the Spirit tells us what Jesus and the Father are saying. The Spirit speaks on behalf of the Father and the Son. It's sort of like having a day of show and tell at school, right? The Holy Spirit gets up and shows and tells all about the Father and the Son. That's why Jesus says he doesn't speak on his own. Rather, the Spirit glorifies Jesus and glorifies the Father. And this very thing may be one of the reasons why we often feel like the DVD is skipping right past the Holy Spirit or the Zoom call is freezing up right as we get to the Holy Spirit. Right? This may be why we don't see the Holy Spirit. Because so often when we are looking at the Spirit, the Spirit is showing us the Father and the Son. This is what the Spirit does. Let me put it this way. How many of you watched a movie this weekend or this past week? Or maybe you watched a show on TV, right? Most folks have watched something. Something I bet you didn't notice while you were watching the show is the cameraman. They're an essential part of the TV show, right? They're an essential part of the movie. Without the cameraman, there is no movie. But you don't see them, do you? Because they're the one who's filming it, right? This is sort of how the Holy Spirit functions in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is kind of like the cameraman for the Father and the Son. An essential part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but almost always showing us the Father or the Son coming to glorify the Father and the Son. 
And we see this over and over again in Scripture. It is by means of the Spirit that we know the Father and the Son. One place that we see this happen is actually in Jesus' life. All right, Uh, Matthew chapter 3, this is Jesus' baptism. It says, when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And so at his baptism, the Spirit descends, and it's by means of the Spirit descending that he hears his Father saying, you're beloved. You are my child, right? The Spirit is the one that communicates the Father's heart to us. And this isn't just what happens with Jesus. This happens with us as well. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, because you are children— God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, the Spirit reveals our identity as God's children. Paul expands on this very same thought in Romans chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, the spirit is doing show and tell. The Spirit is the cameraman. The Spirit is the one saying, hey, you have a loving Father. You are a child of God. The Spirit speaks this identity over Jesus at his baptism and speaks that identity over us at ours as well. And each day from that point on, we know we have a good, loving Father in heaven because the Holy Spirit has shown us and told us that this is true. We know that we are beloved children because the Spirit has made that known to us. The Spirit doesn't only reveal the heart of the Father to us, the Spirit also reveals Jesus to us as well. Uh, We see this also in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, Therefore, I want you to understand, no one is speaking, no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So how is it that we come to confess Jesus is Lord? It's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who shows us Jesus is Lord. And we make that confession. We make it by the Spirit moving in us. A very similar thing is written in 1 John chapter 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So again, how do we know that Jesus is Lord? How do we place our faith in Jesus? It's by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the heart of God the Father. The Spirit is the one who shows us Jesus Christ, his Son. The Spirit is the means by which we know the Father and the Son. And so, you know, this happens in our baptism. This happens as the Spirit bears witness to our hearts. But another place, in fact, perhaps, you know, one of the places we're most familiar with the Spirit speaking to us is Scripture itself. You know, uh, one passage that probably many of us are familiar with is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that says all Scripture is inspired by God. Uh, the word there is God-breathed or the, the Spirit of God is the one who is, has brought Scripture into being, right? And so Scripture itself is the witness of the Holy Spirit through various different authors, various different people across millennium. The Spirit reveals the heart of God to us. And the Spirit speaks in Scripture. As, as, as we read Scripture together, I, I think this image of the Holy Spirit as the cameraman is a great one, right? The, the Bible is an epic movie directed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is an incredible novel written by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has inspired these words. The Holy Spirit shows us the heart of God the Father and draws us to confess Jesus as Lord. And so the Spirit shows us who God is in us. It points our hearts to God and says, this is who God is. He's a loving Father. He is Jesus, the reigning Lord. This is what the person of the Holy Spirit does. But then there is the second half of that summary statement as well, right? The, the Spirit shows us who God is in us, but also the Spirit makes us who we are in God. All right, so look back at the passage that we've been sort of rooted in this morning, John 16, and in verse 8, Jesus says, When he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Some other translations say when he comes, he will convict the world of these things. And what this means is that the Spirit does not only work outside of us to show us who God is, but also works within us to transform who we are. Spirit does the work of transformation in our own hearts, in our own lives. And so to, to consider this, I, I want to point out a, a pattern that I see uh, that, that kind of stretches across Scripture. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning. You know, the, the very first place that the Spirit of God appears in Scripture is Genesis 1, Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And the Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Right? The Spirit is present all the way back at the very beginning of creation. 
And, and, and what we see, you know, it describes the earth was formless and void. So it didn't have any particular form, and it's empty, right? And in the, in the rest of the creation story, God works to create. And there, there's a pattern that happens here that I just want to point out. The, the first three days of creation are all about God forming that formlessness, right? He, on the first day, separates the light from the dark. He forms that. On the second day, he separates the upper water from the lower water, so the sky from, from the ground above from below. Again, he's forming the space of the earth. Then on the third day, he separates the, the dry ground from the waters, right? Again, he's forming. All of this is almost like, like a potter, sort of forming what they're creating, forming the, the bowl or cup or, or glass or piece of pottery that they're making, right? And so those first three days, he forms uh, light and dark, up and down, dry and, and, and wet. And then the next three days, he fills the things that he's formed. And so he takes where, where he had uh, formed the light and the dark, he fills that with the sun and the moon and the stars on day four. On day five, he fills the above and the below with fish and birds. And on the sixth day, he fills the dry ground that he had brought out with animals and even humans, male and female. He created them, right? So he forms, and then he fills. He's formed this pottery, this cup, and then he fills it with water or whatever you're putting into the pot, right? This is a pattern that we see in how God creates. And it all begins with the Spirit hovering over that formless, empty space. And what I want to say is the Spirit forms us, as the Spirit works in us, the Spirit does in our hearts what God did in creation. What God did in creation, the Spirit does in our hearts. The Spirit forms us and fills us. And, and some of the ways that we talk about this, that we see it talked about in Scripture, the, the Spirit forms us, we often use the words fruit. The Spirit brings forth certain fruit in our life. The Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are words to describe the ways in which the Spirit forms us, forms our hearts, turns us into a certain kind of people, a people who are filled with, with love, a people whose hearts are formed by joy and peace and patience and kindness. Again, this is something, man, this, this could be a whole sermon series by itself, but I just want to point out this, that the Spirit forms us into a certain kind of people. All of these fruit are ways of describing the space that God makes in us, the space for love and joy 
Space to to be at peace even when it doesn't make sense, right? Peace that passes understanding. Joy even in the midst of chaos or pain. On and on it goes. Kindness when we've been met with unkindness. Generosity, giving, being constantly faithful to one another, to, to wherever we are in the world being gentle, they, all of these things, this is the Spirit creating space in us. And as we are formed into a certain kind of people, we are also filled. And, and, and to talk about this filling, uh, the Scripture often uses the term not of fruit, but of gifts. Right? So in 1 Corinthians 12, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of services, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then just lists off some of these gifts. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Another, faith by the same Spirit. Another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. These are all activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. And this isn't a a, a complete list. Uh, There are other places where Paul gives other lists, such as Romans chapter 12. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in proportion to ministering, the teacher in teaching, exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. And so the Spirit forms us into a certain kind of people so we can be filled with all these different gifts and use them in action, put them into practice. And these things go hand in hand because you don't live and wield the the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't live by the power of the Holy Spirit without also becoming a person who is shaped by the Spirit. Right? You don't use things like teaching to harm people. You don't claim to do things like prophecy whenever you, you just... Uh, harm other people, right? All of this is done in love. All, all of these gifts are lived in joy and peace and patience. On and on it goes. We are formed into a particular kind of people so that we can be filled to live and use our gifts as that particular kind of people. This is what the Spirit does in us. He doesn't only show us who God is in us, but makes us who we are in God. Just as God created, formed and filled the earth in the very beginning, the Spirit creates in us, forms and fills our hearts and lives. 
with his transforming power. And then we are called to walk with him, to walk with him every single day. And so I just want to share in closing here a few ways of walking with the Spirit. And, and these are just simple and, and, and practical. One step toward walking in the Spirit is baptism, right? Acts 2.38 is probably one of the classic verses in many churches of Christ. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost just as the Spirit has come, and he says to all the people, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And again, we often, this is where the, the DVD starts to skip, the, but, but he goes on. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And so baptism is this image, this place where we meet the Holy Spirit. It's one place where we step with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you read the book of Acts, it's not always consistent how it works. Sometimes people get the Holy Spirit and then they're baptized, right? Sometimes people are baptized and then they get the Holy Spirit. There's not a formula to this thing, but they go hand in hand. And so that's one place where we experience the Spirit of God in baptism. So many of you have been baptized, and so I encourage you, remember your baptism. Reflect on that day, that time. What brought you to that place? What was God doing in you, stirring in you? When you came to baptism, remember those things because that's the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit continues walking with you from that day. If you have not been baptized, then this is a great invitation to enter into that, to take that step with the Holy Spirit. So, man, baptism is one place where we take that step and walk with the Holy Spirit. Another way of walking in step with the Spirit is also something very familiar. You hear me kind of like a broken record going on about it, is prayer and scripture reading. Devoting ourselves to prayer and to the Word of God. This is a place where our character is formed. In the place of prayer and in the reading of Scripture, we begin to make space for all of those fruit to grow in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't know if I left one out there. Um, this is where our characters are formed. And remember, we pray and read Scripture not just to check religious rituals off of a list or become super smart Bible nerds, right? If, if that's what we're doing, then those are great ways to become prideful and arrogant and judgmental, the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Rather, we pray and we devote ourselves to Scripture as a way of walking with the Holy Spirit, growing in trust with God. And so prayer and scripture, man, I encourage you, dig into these things, right? One really practical way to do that is through our, our daily reading book. 
that, that we've got. You know, this, this next week will be a number of readings and reflections on the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to, to dig into that. Let this be a means of walking with the Spirit. And one more step of walking with the Spirit that I'll share with you is serving and sharing with others. Because this is the place where we step into using the gifts that the Spirit fills our lives with. Whether it's entrusting the Spirit to give us a word to share with someone else, a word of encouragement, a, a word of prophecy, uh, whatever that may be, uh, trusting the Spirit to speak through us, or trusting the Spirit to give us strength to serve and meet others where they need it most. Each of these is a way of growing in and walking with the Spirit. So this is my encouragement to you this week. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit, who is not just some abstract force, but a person right next to you, forming you, filling you, showing you who God is, and empowering you to walk with him. May the Spirit of God breathe upon us this week. Amen.